everyone, and welcome to episode 432 of the MTG Goldfish Podcast. I'm Seth, probably better known as Saffron Aleph, and we have this small crew here this week. Uh, Krim is away, was at a Magic Con Minneapolis, but we are joined uh, from all the way around the world this week by Richard, the owner of MTG Goldfish. Richard, how are things this fine Monday? Hey, Seth, doing well. Uh, it, it's actually... It actually is Monday over here. I am in China. It is midnight. I feel like I'm on crim time. I don't know what's going on. I feel like I need to go to sleep now. <laughs> but uh, there's a lot of news this week, so we're, we're ready to rock and roll. Oh, yeah. This is going to be a, a big and very interesting cast. So uh, topics for today. There was a standard pro tour yesterday. We want to talk about that a little bit. There was a huge announcement about the future of standard and kind of the nuts and bolts of the format, how it actually works. We want to get into that. There's some alchemy news that's related to the standard news. There's aftermath spoilers. There's a new secret layer commander deck. There's uh, the ring mechanic from the Lord of the Rings that was finally revealed. So we have a ton to talk about. Before we jump into it, though, a reminder that today's show is brought to you by Card Conduit. In Card Conduit, they are the easiest way to sell your magic cards. If you ever get tired of all the hassles that go into buy listing your cards, Card Conduit lets you skip them with their curated service. You can send in as many cards as you want with a buy list value of a dollar or more and pay just a 5% service fee. And if you want to do a little work, you can use this sorted service where you list and sort your cards in advance and pay just a 2% fee. And no matter which one you choose, you're going to get a detailed report with the results and a fast payment once your order is processed. And you can even get another 10% off by heading over to cardconduit.com slash mtggoldfish card conduit they are the easiest way to sell your magic cards so thank you so much to card conduit for supporting the show and let's talk some magic and let's start with uh, uh, there's so much big i was gonna say the big news of the week but really there's like so much news this week let's start with the pro tour we had our second paper pro tour since the return of paper pro tours this past weekend it was this standard format. Uh, in the end, it was Nathan Sauer uh, taking home another win, which is absolutely ridiculous. Uh, Nathan's been on one of the craziest heaters. I, I believe it is. He won a Pro Tour, finished second at Worlds, won a Pro Tour, which is it, it, like an almost unprecedented streak of runs for three tournaments in a row. So a huge shout out to him for just crushing it. Richard. What actually went down with this Pro Tour? What does what standard look like at the highest levels? No idea, Seth. I didn't watch the Pro Tour. <laughs> so can you tell me which Fable of the Mirror Breaker deck won? <laughs> okay, so yes, it, it was, of course, a Fable of the Mirror Breaker deck that won, which yes. is not nice. a not a surprise. Yes, nailed it, Richard. Well well done. Um, it, was a, it was a super Rakdos and Grixis heavy Pro Tour. I think we're adding up the metagame percentages. Uh, and if you kind of lump Grixis and Rakdos together, which I don't know, may or may not be fair, like they share a lot of cards or some slight differences, those two decks were 50% of the meta. And then if you tar start tossing in other Black X decks like Esper, it was 75% of the meta. So it was pretty clear one of those decks was going to be favored to win. Uh, the build that actually won was, I guess you would say, Rakdos mid-range. It's not a reanimator build. Uh, it's kind of typical Shieldreds and Blood Tithe Harvester and Invoke Despairs. The new card, I guess, is Chandra Hope's Beacon, which is just a couple copies for value, more or less. But it is more or 
less what you would think of as a Rakdos mid-range deck that we've seen in Standard for quite a while now, Bankbusters and Fables and so forth, and really a big chunk of the top eight was those decks. Some of them are splashing Atroxa to try to reanimate it, some of them are not, some of them have a copy or two of Light Up the Night to combo with Chandra, some of them don't, but really I think it was five Rakdos slash Grixis decks in the top eight, uh, one Soldier's deck, one Mono White, actually not exactly Mono White, it was Mono White Midrange Splashing for Black for Breach the Multiverse, so almost like the Atroxa deck we were talking about, or almost like the Tally deck we were talking about a week or two ago, basically the same theory, but instead of splashing uh, for a tally, you're splashing for Breach the Multiverse, and then one ramp deck made it in that was just ramping into Atroxa with green cards, which was neat to see. Uh, so Richard... <clears throat> What do you make of this metagame? Like, uh, this kind of ties into our next topic that we're going to get into. What do you think of the health of Standard? So, like, it's so hard to really discuss, because on one hand, I feel like Standard has really interactive games, which are kind of fun. I still enjoy playing them. On the other hand, we keep seeing this Grixis slash Rakdos shell get better and better. We're, like, hoping March of the Machines might change that, but... Really, based on what we saw at this Pro Tour, March of the Machines was more or less a flop. Like, there is not really much from March of the Machines that is making a huge impact. Is Standard healthy? Or or what do you think? Surely, there were so many powerful cards in March of the Machines. Something had to break out. Uh, cards are too strong, Seth. Fable's too strong. Children's too strong. Blood Tide Harvester's too strong. Um, we, we already ate the Meat Hook Massacre banding a long time ago, and I don't know, they're, they're mid-range piles. Like, you ban one card, they just slot in the next best mid-range thing and go to town. So I I don't know. I, I think standard gameplay-wise is in a good place, but it's so boring. It's like the yeah. same standard we've been playing for months and months and months. And not only that, the games take forever. <laughs> Um, so when it when it first happened, it's like, oh, cool, right? It's like, this is awesome standard. But like every, like how many sets have come and gone now and like nothing has changed in standard essentially. Uh, I think that is the problematic part here where March the Machine comes, like nothing happens. Brothers War, like nothing happens. So I, I think that's the disappointing thing. None of the new mechanics have done anything. We're still just playing mid-range piles. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It, it's... It's interesting, but boring at the same time. It's, it's interesting for short spurts, but it's kind of sad that the metagame hasn't really changed or like nothing's really happened. Like it's still Rakdos. We, we've talked about Rakdos for like months now. Yeah, I, I feel like, yeah, the at some point the replayability starts to suffer. Like even if the games are really good, like... I love playing Civilization, one of my favorite games, but Civilization is a game that takes a long time to complete, and after I play Civilization for a while, it's not that Civilization gets bad or the actual underlying mechanics get bad, but eventually I'm like, all right, I, I kind of want to do something else. Like, I can only do so much of the same thing before I want to shake it up a little bit, and I feel like maybe that's where Standard is ending up, because if you look at these... If you look at these deck lists, really, in all honesty, the Grixis slash Rakdos shell they have not really gotten a ton of updates 
in a long time. Like, if you look at the core of these decks, it's really cards that are over a year old at this point. Like, sure, Atali and Atroxa, I guess, added a, a new finishing plan to some of those builds. Those are, like, somewhat recent cards. I guess Cruelty of Grix came out in, what, Dominar United, which was, uh, I guess, almost a year ago at this point. But that's one of the most recent cards to show up. So I feel like we went through, like, three set releases in a row or four set releases in a row with nothing really changing. Like, nothing really changed since last rotation so I don't know I was getting to the point where I'm hopeful we'll get a shakeup and I guess this kind of leads into our second really big topic because it comes into play with what we're discussing now so I was thinking all right, so yes, the metagame Super Grix is the Eurakdosi. Yes, the same handful of really good mid-range cards, Fables and Graveyard Trespassers and Invoke Despairs and Regular Bank Busters and Blood Tithe Harvesters. Those cards are everywhere. They are more than half of the metagame at this point. But we're going to have rotation in September. We're closing in on it. And normally, the way Standard works for me is, uh, Standard is like, it's really fun. It sets release and you do new things. And then eventually you get to the summer and you're kind of like, okay, like it's solved. We're waiting for rotation. That'll shake things up. We'll have a new format. Well, Wizards announced yesterday, uh, no rotation this year. They're changing the way that Standard actually works. And what they want to do essentially is traditionally Standard is two years worth of sets. The most recent two years of cards were in standard. And then once a year in September, a year's worth of sets drop off. The change Wizards is making is they want standard to be three years worth of sets rather than two. And to get this new schedule working, it essentially means skipping rotation for the year. So in the middle of yesterday's Super Rakdosi, Super Fable the Mirror Breaky Pro Tour, Wizards announced, hey, guess what, everyone? Uh, no rotation this year. All those cards that you're complaining about in our Twitch chat, the Fables and the Vote Despairs, uh, they're going to be around until September of 2024 because we need to skip rotation to get this new three-year cadence going. Richard, I gotta know, there's so much to dig into with this topic. There's also a, a secondary article about alchemy and how alchemy will not be changing to the new rotation schedule, so it will keep the standard rotation schedule. Uh, Richard, what do you make, of, first off, what do you make of this change? Like, Wizard's point here, if you read their article, they had three things that they think will improve because of this. Uh, one is your standard cards will have more longevity, which I guess if they don't rotate, that kind of is true by default. Two is it'll allow mechanics and archetypes to be more effectively built over time. Wizard's actually shouts out dropping the block model is hurting this they gain flexibility but lost the ability to build on themes and mechanics if you got more years worth of sets in standard i guess theoretically you can build on that more and then it'll also let them make stronger tools to create environments where decks with more colors and mechanics like green white toxic or blue white soldiers in uh will exist more and be less mid-range focused so basically your cards last longer they can build off archetypes more because there'll be more time and in theory, they think they can make less mid-range decks by pushing decks like Toxic or Soldiers more with this new setup. Richard, what do you make of this? We're about a month too late for April Fools. Um, <laughs> what? Uh, like, yeah. Like, I, I was actually thinking the other day, like, we should go to, like, one-year rotation. Like, we should go, like, 18 months or whatever. This has got to be... I don't want to say it, but I have to say it like the dumbest thing ever. Like, I, I don't know. Like, what are they thinking? Like, 
okay, let, let, let's try to break it down, right? So they, they obviously want your cards to last longer because they don't want you to buy standard cards and be like, oh, no, they're going to rotate. How are they going to do this? Imagine three years of Fable of the Mirror Breaker. What are they going to do? They're going to aggressively ban, right? They're going to, yeah. I like, guarantee next week Fable is getting banned. Like, basically guaranteed, right? Maybe Shouldred, maybe Blood Tithe Harvester. But essentially, instead of rotating every two years, you got to play the every week, like, is my deck going to get banned game, uh, which will definitely happen. Uh, more sets just leads to more mid-rangey crap, right? Like, you know, when they release a set, they're like, okay, this is the toxic set. And then every set after that does not have toxic cards in it. How does that deck get any better? It doesn't, right? What actually gets better is just like random mid-range piles. They can just grab the best card from each set and then go to town. So I think this makes it worse. Like if you have any strong synergy decks, like as the sets keep adding in, you don't get any more power, but all the other decks get power. So that makes it worse. Um, I really don't want to play with Fable for three years. Uh, I don't want to see cards being banned every other week to like shake up the meta because that also makes my standard deck irrelevant. Uh, you didn't mention this, but Alchemy is keeping at two-year rotation. <laughs> so they're replacing standard with Alchemy on Arena, which is also bad. <laughs> like I, I don't know, Seth. Where, do you believe in this change at all? I, I see nothing but like terrible changes here. So, okay, here's... If you want good news out of this changes, so I think the good news is Wizards actually publicly said that they care about competitive paper play, which is something we have been wondering about for a while. Like, remember a year ago or two years ago, we were like honestly wondering if Wizards had any desire or will to even try to make paper play work for like something like standard. So I think there's good news in that Wizards is saying, we actually want to make this work. We do care about paper standard. We want to see it be successful. So I think that's good news. They also said, well, this is the first of what are going to be several steps to improve standard. It's not ending here. We're going to be doing more. Whenever I hear this from Wizards, like, yes, it's good. I'm glad. And I do think they need to do more if this is going to work. But I always kind of take it with a grain of salt because there's just been so many situations where we hear this. And then it's like a year later before we hear anything. I remember like when they were bringing organized playback, I was like, oh, we're going to have a ton of news soon. Don't worry. And then six months go by and then nine months go by. And then finally, like a year later, we hear something or like, oh, don't worry. We're going to let you know about the Hall of Fame coming back. And then four years later, I still unless I missed it somehow, I still don't believe we've heard. <laughs> anything about that coming back so i always am a little skeptical when i hear oh don't worry like more good stuff is on the way because i just don't know how long that's gonna take i will say this is exactly the opposite of what i would do if i was trying to fix standard like <laughs> i i have for a while wanted standard to change more often and i view staleness as one of standard's biggest problems like i view the problem or one of them to be that you know you have to play these same handful of cards over and over again the best times in standard are when a new set releases and people are trying new things when rotation happens and people are trying new decks the worst times in standard are when you're playing against the same cards you've played against half the time for the last six months and that just keeps going and i feel like this change makes it worse so i'm willing to try to give wizards the benefit of the doubt i don't know how much of this do you think is just us being super enfranchised with uh richard because that's the one thing that i think is like kind of valid criticism how about this like so for me this change makes standard worse because i play a ton of magic and i play against grixis midrange or rakdos 
I don't even know, 40 times a week or something absurd. Like, and it gets really, really boring. What about for a more casual player who, like, goes to FNM once a week and plays four matches of Magic? Sure, maybe they play against Grixis twice out of those four matches, because that's the math and the metagame percentages. But really, then they go and, like, you know, do whatever for the weekend and go work for the week. And then the next Friday, they go again and sure, you play Grixis twice, but whatever. Like, I played four matches of Magic, two or Grixis, what do I care? Is it that we're, like, super enfranchised and just play so much magic that this change is bad for us, but it's actually good for other people, and we're, like, missing it because we're so enfranchised? Nah, Seth. Like, three years, long time. Isn't that, like, before COVID? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> like just, just think about that for a second. Like, COVID's hitting, you're playing Fable, the Mirror Breaker. Like, three years later, you're still playing that crap. Like, even if you play once a week, that's a lot of Fable. I don't know that you want to play that much Fable, Seth. Like, three years is a very long time. I, I don't... I think even for the non-franchise player, and I, I think for the non-franchise player, it's a lot worse because every week they come, something has been banned, something has been rotated. Uh, they want to log on to Magic Arena and play to do something, but they're playing Alchemy and they're confused. Like, I, I don't know. I don't... I don't buy it. Like, I, I think Wizards is trying to save Paper Magic, but... Arena has kind of like was the, the first like big blow against and the second blow was like they're pushing everyone to commander and then the third blow is like what is the point of standard I played pioneer the other day it feels just like standard Seth. like I don't know what the point of these formats are anymore <laughs> when the power level is so high all your new standard cards permeate into all the other quote-unquote you know non-rotating formats and you're just playing the same stuff everywhere so why why play the thing that rotates and costs you more money when you can just play Rakdos Midrange and Pioneer? <laughs> like, be kind of guaranteed that your deck never changes, right? Like, I, I don't know. Like, it's weird that Wizards got too greedy and now they're trying to fix it, right? They got greedy by basically rotating all your non-rotating formats. Modern with Modern Horizons, uh, Commander with all the Commander supplementals, uh, Vintage and Legacy keep changing. And then... People start playing that because they're always new and shiny and then no one plays standard anymore. And they push everyone to arena. Everyone's on arena now. Now they're like, oh, come back, come back to paper. Like, I don't know. They're, they they got to like kind of rethink this overall strategy here of like how they use their players and the money. Because I think they're just panicking and like doing random stuff. Uh, the way I would fix standard would be lots of in-game events and promos. Um, so like, reward people immensely for going to fnm like you know back in the day they gave you like free lightning bolts and stuff like that like that kind of stuff like actual free chase cards and just make standard cheaper like really like drive down the prices don't put fable at mythic put fable at uncommon or something. maybe not uncommon right but put it at rare push all the value into your serialized cards or whatever right but like make a standard deck 50 bucks instead of what it's traditionally at like two to three hundred maybe four hundred um there, there are like many ways to do it or add a add a code for arena for every paper pack you buy or whatever right like there, there are many ways to do this and none of these <laughs> involve playing children for three years seth i don't yeah. know what they're thinking really like I, three years like really <laughs> yeah like I, i'm worried that either they have to aggressively ban stuff to have like 
banning rotations essentially or this could actually end up hurting standard because i i think you're right i guess even if you're casual you're gonna get sick of those cards eventually i guess i get sick of them quicker than most people because i play more magic than most people but i think it will eventually end up being a problem uh for more casual players who don't play as many games as well i also think you hit on a pretty funny point that like wizards really did this to themselves like they spent the last several years uh, getting rid of GPs, getting rid of organized play in paper, like, and this was pre-pandemic, so this wasn't just a, like the pandemic shut things down. This was stuff they were doing before the pandemic, but they got rid of GPs, which was one of the biggest reasons to build a standard deck. They pulled support from organized play. They started doing command fest and pushing people really heavily to like get into commander. And now after like taking all these steps to minimize paper standard and support other formats, now they're like, oh no, like we got to somehow backtrack and, and like make this go the other direction but they already took so many steps to make people get people to play commander get people to play pioneer to minimize standard to make minimize organized play it might just be too little too late and i think one thing they mentioned is like okay so we've been asked we knew this was a problem so we've been asking people about it and listening to everyone's feedback and apparently the feedback that they've gotten is one of the big reasons people don't play as much standard or don't get into standard is it's too expensive and the cards rotate essentially and it seems like wizards really focused in on the rotation part of this which I don't really see how that can be the problem considering our absolute peak of standard when standard was booming in the most popular format and we were having 4,000 person GPs and so forth like a decade ago or even like seven years ago or whatever. It was the same rotation cadence. It's not like it's not like they did something different. We know standard has been super popular with rotation like this. I think that you are 100% right that the real problem is standard is just too expensive. They focused on the like, oh, it rotates too quickly and that's making it too expensive. When I think the actual problem is the cards just cost too much money. I was looking at our metagame page, Richard, and comparing standard to Pioneer, and I was like absolutely shocked. If you have 400 bucks to spend, you can get a tier standard deck or you can pretty much take your pick of a tier pioneer deck. If that's the choice, why would you pick standard? Whether it rotates in two years or three years, why wouldn't you build Mono Green Devotion in Pioneer or Rakdos Midrange in Pioneer or Azorius Control in Pioneer that'll theoretically last you the next 10 years with some updates compared to a standard deck, whether it rotates in two years or three years. And then you also have Commander on top of that. It's the same choice. If you have 400 bucks to spend on a Paper Magic deck, are you better off buying Rakdos in standard that you can use for X amount of time, whether it's two years or three years? Or are you better off buying a commander deck that you can literally play forever? Even if Wizards folds and stops supporting Magic altogether, you're still going to find people that want to play that commander deck with you. Are you going to find people that are going to play standard with you? No, like that's just not going to happen. So I feel like the, the real solution to this is not changing rotation. It's making standard cheaper. It's lowering the rarity of cards so they're not so expensive. Uh, it's not, you know, whatever, printing the cards that'll be too expensive. People have suggested n- knocking the dual lands down to uncommon and wizards will never go for this but that would very much change the problem if your mana base was uncommon and you could get your mana base for 10 bucks instead of 100 bucks or 150 bucks or 200 bucks that by itself would go a long way towards solving the problem so 
I think there's a problem that needs to be solved, a problem that was mostly created by the decisions Wizards has made over the past few years, like they created this issue. I just don't see changing the rotation schedule as something that's meaningfully going to change it, and I'm not even sure it does what they want. Like, if the problem is standard is too expensive because of rotation, isn't the need for more bannings even worse for players? Like, I've heard some people be like, oh, that like this is great, my cards are going to last longer. And I'm like, eh, are they really, though? Like, is your Fable of the Mirror Breaker actually going to last longer? Or are you just going to wake up one day and it's going to be banned by surprise? At least with rotation, you can prepare for it. You know it's coming. You know, okay, six months from now, my shoulder's going to rotate. Am I keeping it for Commander or Pioneer? Am I selling it or trading it to get cards for next year? With bannings, you can't prepare at all. It just happens at random. So, uh, I don't know. I'm I'm with you on this one, Richard. I, I really don't see it's, it. It's, it's it's that time again. It's time for me to talk about Marvel Snap. <laughs> I, I've stopped playing Marvel Snap, Seth. Do you know why? Oh, why? So, so Snap has, like a, in my opinion, a really dumb release system where when they add new cards, they basically make them super expensive. And as time goes by, they become cheaper and cheaper. And what that essentially means is every time they release a new card, it has like zero effect on the metagame because like no one can afford or like is willing to pay for that new card. And so the metagame is actually super stale. And the way they fix this is by constantly rebalancing existing cards. And that becomes very annoying because like you just wake up and you're like, ah, my cards do random things. And then I've played like hundreds of games with my cards doing this one thing and now it does this other thing and now I'm all messed up and it's all weird. And I just didn't like that play pattern where this card just did something different the next day. And like that was their way of like fixing the metagame. And uh, a, a long rotation is essentially the same thing, right? Like Snap doesn't have a rotation. It needs a rotation. And we're kind of going in that direction where no rotation and we'll just... Uh, ban things to shake up the metagame and unban things. And I don't know. I think that just feels bad. And I don't know. And uh, the, the other thing that really annoys me is Wizards term digital first. So <laughs> a, Alchemy is keeping on two-year rotation because they yep. want Alchemy to be a fresh digital format. So they're kind of divorcing it from standard now. Uh, they're not going to move in lockstep. And what that means is like if you play standard you can't even test on arena now <laughs> like, like yeah. now, now you're like throwing like everyone's playing alchemy or something right and like it's all different and like I, I don't know like they have this weird thing that like arena players are not paper players or something like that it's like <laughs> are you an email first person seth like you you only use emails first yeah <laughs> and then there are people that exclusively do letters or something like, I, I don't know right like it's like it's like 2023 everyone plays digital uh, like you, you should figure out a way to marry them rather than kind of split them aside and try to like milk the most money out of them. Uh, so yeah. what do you think about this alchemy change? Like, are they not just like slaying standard digitally and like force everyone into alchemy? Cause alchemy keeps the two year rotation. It will have constant rebalances to fix your fables. I you think, and they're not going to have any bannings either, right? Like standard will have bannings and alchemy will not. So are we all supposed to play alchemy now and like it? So I, I actually was going to bring this up. If, if I put my tinfoil hat on for a minute, I think you can make an argument and I don't think it's necessarily true, but I think if you read both of these articles together, the one about standard and the one about alchemy, I can see how someone would read that and be like, wow, this is change is designed to support alchemy more than it's designed to help standard. 
Like it, it's designed to funnel people into that and actually make it like almost necessary if you're someone who wants to have a fresh metagame and changes like the stuff that standard is supposed to provide in the magic ecosystem the format that has rotations and you're always getting new set releases it actually you're supposed to impact the meta because there's not that many sets in the format now alchemy is going to be that format and standard's going to be I guess almost equivalent to old extended, which they ended up pulling the plug on because it got so hated and unpopular and people didn't like it uh, that they ended up ended up getting rid of it altogether for modern. So I don't, is it unfair to feel like uh, these changes are more about making more people play alchemy than making more people play paper standard? I, I, I don't know. They're, they're trying to make <laughs> like digital standard players they're trying to like take more money out of their pocket and get them to come to fnm like like, I, like you can see exactly their, their thought process is like fix standard without affecting how much money every other format or product makes like that like, yeah. like you can tell exactly that's what they're trying to do yeah um and i, I don't see how that's gonna happen right because essentially everyone just spent less money on standard and bought commander or bought pioneer or bought modern or bought you know, arena packs, right? And now Wizards trying to figure out like, hey, how do I keep that money? Well, you know, getting the money from standard back. And uh, I, I don't know how they're going to do it. Um, but I, I don't know. It's I I also found myself wondering. It's weird. I, I'm kind of sad. I, I feel like this is like the first notch in magic falling over, right? Like, <laughs> like they don't know what they're doing. They're, they're like waving around frantically. Uh, they're changing arena and paper for the worse i think and i i don't know if they're trying to troll us and like they have a, some actual master plan that they're not telling us or i i like i don't know i i, I refuse to believe like I, i'm gonna put up a poll up we're gonna put a poll up on twitter and on youtube to see what people think about this three-year rotation but my guess is it'll be overwhelmingly negative and i'm not sure how wizards concluded that this will be a positive change yeah, so I will say the Pro Tour, the coverage was surprisingly good. This is the second Pro Tour that had come back since uh, paper went on a hiatus during the, the pandemic and the MPL era. The second one, I didn't get to watch the first one because I was at the Magic Con. This is the first one I actually got to watch, and I was actually blown away by just how much they'd improved the coverage and solved a lot of the issues that had been there in the past. There were cards popping up. You could see the players' faces. There was no huge, like, 20-minute gaps where nothing was going on. So that makes me think that Wizards is serious and does want Paper Standard to do well. So I think just writing it off as being all about alchemy is a little bit is a little bit silly. I, I take Wizards at face value when they say they want Paper Standard to succeed. I think they do want Paper Standard to succeed, uh, probably in large part because that's another way you can sell cards. <laughs> like, you, you can sell Standard cards to people who are playing Standard. But I do think they actually want it to succeed. I really question the timing of this announcement in several ways though like why announce this now like why if you're gonna do this why announce it during a his historically lacking in diversity pro tour where people are already complaining about seeing fable so often or invoke despair or shielded so often why announce it now why not let rotation happen and then be like hey next year everyone we're going to make this change with rotation like why do it when everyone's counting down the days to rotation i also wonder like would this have gone over better 
if there was more to it than just rotation changing because we had like okay rotations changing these cards that you don't like playing against you're gonna have to play against for another 16 months now uh, and don't worry cool stuff's coming in the future wouldn't it have been better to maybe flesh it out a little bit more and have some of the cool stuff to tell people because you know people are going to be like a little bit unhappy about the idea of having to play against fable for another 16 months so if you had like what if they made it like this what if this was an announcement because my initial reaction to this was just negative and like oh my god i don't want to play against fable for another 16 months but then i sort of tried to shift gears and think okay how can we make this work if wizards is committed to this even though it's not the change i would make how can we make the best of this how can wizards and the community actually make this a positive or at least less of a negative? And the stuff I was thinking about is like, maybe more aftermath sets maybe like you have to have a way to keep standard fresh maybe the way to keep it fresh is more of these mini sets like it's gonna mean more bannings right like those are not a positive but it's gonna have to mean more bannings uh, maybe core sets returning so you can add more inner block synergy like could wizards have announced more alongside this to make it go over better you think so that's so the plan is that more is coming but I give that very little stuff because like it's probably gonna be underwhelming because if it was if it was actually something very exciting, they would just lead with that, right? Like in my opinion, the way the more would fix it is MPR comes back. Like if you go to FNM, like every four FNMs you go to, you get like a, a promo fable of the mirror breaker. Like whatever the expensive chase mythic is, like you get a, a fable shouldred, and then next month it's a new card. And then so if you grind standard HF and M, you can eventually build like Rakdos mid-range for free or something like that. Uh, that would be interesting. Um, or, you know, they could go the other way. They could give you like free commander cards or something. I, I don't know what they, but it would have to be rewarding you for showing up at the LGS, uh, even if you don't want to show up at the LGS, right? So if you're like, uh, I could play Arena. Uh, I think I'll play Arena, but like, oh no, you know, I got to get that last you know, daily check-in at my FNM so I can actually get that, you know, free $50 card or whatever. Um, so that that would actually drive people to stores, I think. But if it was something that exciting, like, wouldn't they, why wouldn't they just say that? Why would they lead with this, like, rotation announcement? Uh, so I'm not as optimistic as you said. If it was something actually good, I think they would just say it rather than give us a... Don't worry, trust me, bro, it's coming. <laughs> I mean, I, I don't know if I would go so far as to say I'm optimistic, but I, I could imagine a world where there could be good announcements that followed this that would make the slower rotation less bad compared to how it feels right now. I feel like just like announcing it now is the absolute just like the, the worst absolute time to do it when everyone's just already talking about how standard is is stale and salved even though the gameplay is good so so okay they're gonna ban fable next week seth guaranteed i mean they have to right there's no there's no <laughs> even argument at this point like i don't see how what they, if they don't oh my goodness oh my goodness oh my. They'll, they'll run a twitter poll and and use that to justify not banning fable <laughs> we we asked on twitter and <laughs> it's funny how twitter matters when it's something wizards wants to do but if you're like hey like i did a twitter poll and it shows alchemy is unpopular they're it doesn't count it doesn't count <laughs> uh i gotta i gotta ask you richard so two last questions on this and we got to hit up a couple other topics do you think this will improve standard like is this going to revitalize standard in paper and number two related 
do you think people are going to migrate to alchemy now? Like, do you think we're going to see on Arena alchemy get a boost in popularity from people who want things to change quicker and want the old rotation schedule? Or do you think there's too much crossover between digital players and paper players that the fact that alchemy now has no real ties to the real world is still going to be a too big of a hurdle for people to get over? Basically, does standard get better and more popular because of this? And does alchemy get better and more popular because of this or no? Yeah, I mean, this just gives me the go-ahead to not follow standard news now. <laughs> like, like I, I'm already pre-biased against Alchemy. Like, they've already ruined it in my eyes. So I, I can never play it. Like, it, it's kind of a done deal. And for franchise players, I think that's that's a very common outlook. So I don't think they're going to switch to Alchemy. And I think the real answer is you just do something else. You just <laughs> go play Fortnite or something, right? <laughs> like, I, I, I don't know. Like, uh, realistically, I think you go play Modern or something. Like, you go play Modern Horizons 3, the format, which ironically rotates every two years instead of three <laughs> years in standard now, right? So, but uh, you, you have Pioneer, you have Modern, or you have Commander. Um, yeah, like, I I don't want three years of Fable. So, so yeah. I, I will just go do anything else. And I don't, I also don't want to see baddings every week because I, I think that's going to happen as well. Like, if you ban Fable today, what about Invoke Despair? <laughs> what about Shouldred? What about Blood Tithe Harvest? Are you just doing a mini rotate? Are you just going to ban like the whole Rakdos deck so that, you know, Grixis and all those decks go with it and you won't see this deck anymore? Like, how can they approach this banning? But yeah, like it's when, when you're not ban like you're, you're banning for diversity or something. It's weird. Like, they're, like, what's the criteria now? It's not like, oh, this deck is so oppressive. Like what, what's the part that makes it? Is it the Blood Tithe Harvester? Is it the Fables? Is it the Shouldreds? The answer is it's all of them. So like, what are you going to hit here? And if you go too slowly, if you just go, you know, we'll, we'll hit Fable and reevaluate in six months. Like you already lost so many players in that time when they get, you know, stopped in the ground by Rakdos. So yeah, it's a, I, I don't know. Like it's a tough, tough. one. It, it really, it really is like, it's much easier to ban when there's a clearly broken card uh, that is causing the issues yeah. or there's a combo that's causing the issues. But the issue that Standard has right now, I guess you could argue, if you want to argue something's broken, I guess it would be Fable the Mirror Breaker. Although really it's it's like a two for one or three for one that every deck can play. Like it's it's not broken in the way that Splinter Twin is where your opponent does the thing and you just die or, you know, something like that. It's it, it's not really, it's a, it's a fair card. It's just a really, really push fair card. So how do you even ban your way out of that? And I don't know what the answer is. Like any, I, I think Fable's the easy one and I think Fable 100% will get banned. I don't know if that actually solves anything though. Like Mono Black was good before Rakdos was a thing and Grixis was a thing like fable would take a really good card out of a deck but the rest of the shell is still so strong that i'm not sure it changes anything and then if you go down the path of like oh ban blood tithe harvester too and corpse appraiser and shieldred that's kind of awkward as well because none of those cards are broken they just all are like, you're like oh then we gotta take something from the white decks because we're afraid <laughs> they'll they'll take over the metas so and we'll, we'll have to ban wandering emperor and then you know like you're gonna have to ban like 20 cards <laughs> and then you're just like on second thought maybe maybe we should just rotate maybe we should just head rotation after all if, if this is the path we're going down <laughs> and i the last thought on this subject i think the big problem and you hinted at this earlier i think the big problem is wizards wants to fix standard but they either don't want to or can't 
make changes that are going to cost them money or make them less money. And I think the things that would really improve standard are things that would end up making them less money. So that's kind of the that's kind of the sticking point here. Like the changes that would actually matter. Like, hey, let's give away Shieldreds as FNM promos. Hey, let's print dual lands at uncommon rather than rare, things like that. Like those are going to, in a roundabout way, make less profits for Hasbro. So I'm not sure those options are even on the table. And I'm not sure you can fix the issues of standard without lowering the cost of standard. Because I think the underlying issue is standard decks cost the same as Pioneer Commander decks. And if that's the equation, why would I buy a standard deck when I can buy something that's going to last me for a much longer time, even with this change? So anyway, I'm super curious what you all think uh, about this change. What is What does it do for you personally? Because I, like I said before, I have heard some people say, oh, this is something that only bothers super enfranchised players or content creators. Like for me, I like that my, my cards last longer. Like that's a good thing. So I'm very curious where all of you are at and what you think. Is this going to make you play more standard or less standard? Is it, how is standard? to your LGS? Is this going to help it come back? So definitely let us know in the comments uh, what your personal feelings are and what this does uh, what this does for you and your relationships to standards. So anyway, that is the Pro Tour. That is the huge standard changes. We got more news this week, Richard. We have a entire new set that is releasing tomorrow. We got the full spoilers in one day after they were kind of leaked a few weeks early. That is uh, that is Aftermath. I don't think we, we can actually go through individual spoilers it would just be way too much and there's way too many cards but i'm curious richard what do you think of this set like we see the whole set now it's 50 cards the theme is if you haven't seen it and you can check it out over on mtgpreviews.com but the theme is essentially planeswalkers some of them are now legendary creatures because they lost their spark and that's i guess the story of this set really it kind of feels like leftover cards from march of the machines that could have been in march of the machines but they're in a separate set instead but well, what do you think about aftermath richard wizards has figured out dlc <laughs> that's what's happened they're like look this is part of the set we'll just slice out 50 cards we'll sell it as a new product as an add-on product and will charge people money. Um, I'm not even sure why it's a standard set set. It looks like a commander set to me. <laughs> it's like so many legendary creatures. Uh, most of the cards seem unplayable. There is a cycle of monocolored rares uh, that look very strong in here, but I don't know. I'm not particularly excited about this. This just feels like, you know, when you brew a deck, when the new set comes out and then after a while like oh i forgot about this card let me see if i can brew around it like, like that that's it you just found a, you found like a page in your binder of like random cards from march of the machine that you forgot about and here they are and i don't know they don't seem impactful yeah I don't know. Are, you, are you excited about this it's just like i don't know i mean so i'm always excited for new magic cards so in a standard that's very stale I'm excited that there's just new things I can try. So that part is exciting. I will say this at... It wasn't really what I expected. I was really expecting something more. As you said, this really does feel like some DLC or to me, it reminded me of like how sometimes a band will like go in the recording studio and make an album and then there'll be like leftover songs that didn't make the album for whatever reason. And then like 10 years later, their label releases it as an album to make some extra money. I, I, that kind of feels like the magic this version like if you of that. subscribe to the Wizards YouTube Premium, your Patreon, yeah. you get this. <laughs> <laughs> you, I, you get this. I also think like, 
the theme being legendary creatures is a tough sell because this was like supposed to be pretty hyped and like these huge changes and then the change ended up being oh planeswalkers some of them lost their spark and they're legendary creatures now the problem is there's just so many legendary creatures these days that it doesn't feel especially innovative or exciting it's just like oh like more of that like every other set has a ton of legendary creatures so the fact that the name is kiora or karn or nahiri or whatever on the legendary creature i don't know it still just kind of feels like more legendary creatures i think there's a handful of cards that are interesting for standard Obviously, a ton of stuff that we'll see playing Commander, or you can build a Commander deck around. I don't know. So I guess I it didn't meet my expectations, but I'm still excited to try some of the new cards, just because I'm tired of playing with the the Fables and the same old cards. So I'm, I'm excited for something so new. Which cards do you want to try to play that will do nothing in Standard Seth? Okay, okay. <laughs> so car- going back to Shildred. Give, give, so- give, give, me your, give me your top one or two cards from, from Aftermath here. Uh, okay, so as far as just actually being good in standard, I think uh, like Urborg Scavenger is a three mana two T when it ETBs the exile card from a graveyard or when it attacks and it gets a counter. And then if you exile a creature with an ability, you get that ability. I think that's a pretty good card when everyone's getting Atroxus in the graveyard. You just play this and get a 3-3 three, three with a ton of mechanics. Uh, so I think that one's good. I think the three drop Angel Metropolis Reformer is actually designed to like line up with standard giving yourself hexproof means you can't get invoked despaired is a two three it blocks the fable of the mirror token it's good against aggro because if it takes damage you gain life so i feel like that's kind of designed for standard as far as just like i'm excited to build around i think obnixilis captive kingpin is a really cool card with a unique ability where whenever your opponent takes exactly one damage or loses one life it gets a counter and you get to exile a card and play it this turn there's some combos for that i'm excited to try like nahiri fortune fury equipment uh, a six mana five four that has affinity for equipment and then an ability when it attacks but we got a lot of equipments that are also creatures in standard thanks to like the formirid mechanic the reconfigure mechanic are these going to actually unseat the Rakdos, Grixis, no, I, I don't think there's any chance that these cards actually just like absolutely change the format, but I think they'll be fun to try. Like, I think it'll be cool to do a stream from them or whatever. What about you, Richard? Do any of these cards stick out as something that you're excited to play? Uh, I, I want to slot. There's a there's a two drop black creature with menace. And when it hits someone, you put a plus one plus one counter on it. And if it has four plus one plus one counters, you get the tutor. Oh uh, yes, Yara's that one is extremely strong and is going to be super annoying. Uh, Arnie is a three mana three three in red. When it when a creature you control attacks or a creature enters the battlefield and you control attacking, you may pay two, and if you do, you put a creature card with mana value less than that creature's mana value from your hand onto the battlefield, tapped and attacking. So a really aggressive red creature, I think, can see some play there. And then all the legendaries are like whatever, like. <laughs> Legendaries are a tough sell at standard for me, especially since we have so many. Yeah. Um, but I think that black creature is going to be really strong. I don't know if it's stronger than Bloodtide Harvester, but uh, it, it's these cards that Wizards loves printing. Like, you have removal now or you die, right? It, like, snowballs out of control uh, quite quickly, so... That card, yeah. it, it reminds me a little bit of uh, Robber of the Rich, where if you drop that turn two and you're on the play, whew, that can uh, that can get out of control pretty quickly with the the snowball aspect once you start getting in those hits. So yeah, that one well, it has menace. So even that, if they have blockers, you just remove one creature or whatever and you can go to town. 
yeah no that's that's definitely it'll be interesting i'm curious to see how this set sells that is the biggest thing i think i've seen a lot of people say they're buying singles and not buying boxes uh in, based in large part on the leaked box openings that made it look like there's a lot of duplication in the set people are kind of medium on curious if people actually buy this or if this is uh this is something that kind of ends up flopping. So I guess we'll find out soon because it's supposed to be coming out this week. It comes out tomorrow digitally. And I believe the end of the week you can buy boxes and paper, but all right, we got a, we got a couple other topics. We got to hit up real quickly. Um, so we got a new secret layer alert. Of course, that's not a surprise, but this one's kind of special. We have our second ever full commander deck secret layer drop. This is something we've uh, only seen once before with the coin flip deck. This is a double faced card theme deck. Uh, there's five cards with new like secret layer art and then a bunch of reprints to round out the deck. It's called from cute to brew. It's thematically a little bit all over the place because it's double face card theme so looking at it as a commander deck it's a little weird because there's just a ton of mdfcs um i don't know how synergistic the deck will actually be but the card has uh, the deck has some pretty valuable cards i'm curious richard decks going for 150 dollars I added up the the cost of the cards if you buy the cheapest versions on goldfish and it was a little bit under or a little bit over 300 dollars is this worth buying? Like, would you recommend people to try to snag this uh, this commander secret layer drop? Nah. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> if you want, if you want the art, it's uh, it's already down to two sixty sets since you've done your calculations. Oh, um, dropping this deck is like the coin flip deck actually looked like a deck. This is like this is like one of our clash like theme like heavily <laughs> themed decks where like it doesn't make any sense, but like that's all you had. So it's like. <laughs> all dfcs and stuff and very little synergy very little i don't know cohesiveness i would say it, it's a weird deck so i would only get it if you want the the special art of uh avison asika nickel bulls bloodline keeper and westville abbey uh, but 150 dollars is pretty expensive yeah i i don't know if i'd want to play this deck like unlike a lot of actual commander precons we get which are pretty good out of the box or at least pretty functional this one does just seem like a pile of cards around a theme uh without without much actually holding it together so i don't know if i'd actually want to play with the deck but i do think uh i do think there are some cool reprints in there so as far as if you want the cards or you want the the new versions of these cards i think it's a fair deal price wise but as far as buying it to play out of the box uh i i would probably buy a normal precon, which i think is just a little bit a little bit more built for that so finally we got one other big piece of news, something we've been wondering about for a minute, which is Wizards announced how the ring mechanic actually works during the Pro Tour this weekend. So uh, if you remember, we're getting a Lord of the Rings set soon. That's the next big set to come out. We had seen a bunch of cards that said uh, the ring tempts you. So when you ETB, uh, the ring tempts you or deal combat damage, whatever. But we didn't know what that actually meant. So Wizards finally revealed this. Richard, I'm going to read this, and here's how it works, and then tell me if this is a, a good mechanic. So, uh, the ring is actually 
four steps that you go through. Every time the ring tempts you, one of your cards tell you that the ring tempts you, you're going to essentially move along this little chart, almost like going through a dungeon until you get to the, the final level, which is the fourth level. And when the ring tempts you, you get to choose a creature that's your ring bearer, and that's the creature that's going to have the abilities. So essentially, you play a card that says the ring tempts you. The first level is your ring bearer is legendary and can't be blocked by creatures with greater power. So when the ring tempts you, you get to choose a creature that gets that ability. The next time the ring tempts you, you're going to add on the ability. Whenever your ring bearer attacks, draw a card, then discard a card, and you can choose another creature to be the ring bearer. You can only ever have one ring bearer, but whenever the ring tempts you, you can choose another creature to be your ring bearer. The third level is whenever your ring bearer becomes blocked by a creature, the creature's controller sacks it at the end of combat. And the last one is whenever your ring bearer deals combat damage to a player, each opponent loses three life. So if you have the ring tempt you four times, you get all the way to your end. Your ring bearing creature will have all four of those abilities. It can't be blocked by creatures with power greater. It loots when it attacks. If it gets blocked, your uh, the blocker is sacrificed at the end of combat. And if it hits your opponent, each opponent loses three life. <sighs> In typical Lord of the Rings fashion, that's a lot of text to describe what it seems like a relatively simple mechanic. Richard, what do you make of this as a, a Lord of the Rings expert? What? Like, what? <laughs> Wait, where's the downside? Like, this doesn't feel like the ring at all. Mm. And uh, I think there was a post on, on Morrow's blog asking, like, why is there no downside? And he said, when there was a downside, people wouldn't play it. <laughs> um yeah. They probably made the downside too harsh. I don't know. Like, I think the one ring, you know, the, the card that draws you cards and you lose life, people will definitely play in Commander. That is a downside. Uh, so, I don't know. This is, like, needlessly complicated for what looks to be a weak mechanic. And then flavor-wise, it doesn't even look like it's on point. Like, I'm not... I don't know. I'm kind of disappointed by this. What do you think, Seth? Is this a good mechanic? Like, do you think this is strong? I... Don't, so I'm not a Lord of the Rings expert, so I've seen other people bring up the flavor stuff, which I'll, I'll defer to people who actually know Lord of the Rings, so I assume the flavor is a little bit wonky that there's no downside. As far as power level, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem very strong to me. I guess it's like, so I guess the exception would be, so far we've seen a couple of cards that care about how many times the ring has tempted you, like uh, the Frodo that we got. If you level it up and uh, you have been tempted by the ring at least four times and you hit someone, they're going to lose the game. So maybe there's like a deck you could build around that in Commander or something. But as far as this being like a new modern playable mechanic or something, based on the cards that we've seen so far... I'm I'm pretty skeptical that this is actually a strong mechanic, which I guess is especially troubling because if it's not strong in I can deal with not strong if Wizards is like, we just wanted to make the most flavorful Lord of the Rings set ever. And like we, you know, threw power level aside just to knock the flavor out of the park. But considering the flavor people are upset about this as well, what does this mechanic offer if it's not good or powerful and it's also kind of a miss flavor wise? That's that's a bad place to be, right? For a for a key mechanic in a new set. Yeah, I'm actually kind of disappointed in this <laughs> mechanic. I think the the one ring card is a way better representation um, of yeah. the ring, and it's it's also needlessly complex. Like you gotta like explain this to everyone, like. The card has a backside explaining how to play the card. Like that's how complicated this thing is. <laughs> and the front side is like this emblem thing that's like not really an emblem and I don't know. It's 
it's complicated I, and I, I don't see I, the point of it. It didn't really add much flavor. It's not really strong. Like, can they just make it a dungeon or something and just call it a day? Like, I, I don't know. Can they reuse a mechanic we already had? <laughs> I will say I'm a little worried after the initiative just like broke legacy that I'm going to say this mechanic isn't good. And the next thing you know, like modern is dominated by Frodo and the ring mechanic. And that's just like the best thing going. So I guess you never know with these wonky commander focused mechanics. I will say the the complicatedness and wordiness of it. That's kind of on flavor, right, for Lord of the Rings. That's my experience reading or watching Lord of the Rings. Like, my God, this is just, like, way way too long, way too many words. And the mechanic kind of nails that part. The the, the card would have, like, one line of rules text and then, like, 60 lines of flavor text. That's Lord of the Rings right there. I will say, I think it'll play, I think it'll play fine. Like, it's a lot to take in it first. But I think once you play with it, it's going to be, like, relatively intuitive. I just don't know if outside of Commander it's really going to see play anywhere. Like, it, unless there's some even stronger support cards than we've seen so far that really reward you for being tempted by the ring, I wouldn't think that just in a generic sense this is going to unseat Ragavans and Furies and so forth to be an actual, like, staple mechanic that's competitive and modern. Maybe a good against the odds deck, maybe a good Commander deck, but uh, that's what I'm mostly thinking about with this card at this point. So, anyway, whoa. Boy, that was a that was a lot to get through. Uh, any other thoughts on anything, Richard? Before we maybe hit up a fish mail before the end of the cast? Uh, no, we can go straight to fish mail. Uh, if you have questions, you can send them to at MTG Goldfish with the hashtag MTG Fish Mail, and we'll get to your questions on air. Uh, lots of questions about Fable, the Mirror Breaker banning, and, and Standard being three years. I think we covered most of that. Um. There's a question from I Blackmail Lands. New Elspeth gets flying without the counter. Is paper functionality just a second order concern now? Uh, yeah, I guess <laughs> it is. I mean, so I mean, you, you become an angel and you get flying, right? Like there, there's multiple modifications happening that are not represented in anything. So you do get two plus one plus one counters, which isn't the best representation because you could get counters in other ways but i think in a lot of situations that's a bit of a reminder but yeah i was surprised that it didn't say like a flying counter or something especially since like we already have the ability to put mechanic or keyword counters on things so i was kind of shocked that it wasn't a counter to represent that ability so yeah I, i mean i think it is it's fine in digital but it is the more of those cards you get the worse paper becomes little by little like this Elspeth isn't going to break anything or be a problem people get by but if we get to the point where you have a deck full of cards like this that's a that's a lot to try to keep track of without much help from the cards themselves yeah actually curious uh did this ever happen at the pro tour did they have to like print a little slip of paper that said angel <laughs> and then flying I think you think people played a <laughs> played a white deck and an Elspeth at the Pro Tour, Richard? Come on now. Come on now. It's Fable's <laughs> world. It's Fable's world. Elspeth's just living in it. <laughs> All right. Last question. Barry Wright. Proxies are pretty accepted in the magic community, but frowned upon in the Pokemon community. Why do you think that is? Oh. Well, so I don't know much about the Pokemon community, so I can't really speak to why the Pokemon community is against uh, proxies. 
I don't know how expensive Pokemon is, if that plays into it at all. I know, so proxies were not always accepted in Magic. Pax, uh, proxies were always kind of a fringe thing, or even in some cases a frowned upon thing, until recently with Commander becoming such a popular format. So I think that the, the broad acceptance of proxies is a combination of a casual format like Commander, an unsanctioned format, becoming the most popular way to play Paper Magic, and the cost of Magic cards continuing to rise because of the reserve list, or even just how Wizards prints some new cards like Shieldred. Uh, so I think it's a combination of those two effects that have essentially pushed the community in that direction. And then I know it was the 30th anniversary edition was Wizards printing their own proxies that was like kind of the final, final nail in the coffin for a lot of people when once they saw that, they were like, well, if Wizards is going to print proxies and sell them for a thousand dollars i guess i might as well be accepting of other people printing their own proxies because wizards is doing it themselves but what do you think richard do you know anything about the the pokemon end of things uh i mean pokemon decks are usually a lot cheaper okay um, and they're also a lot more accessible i think magic players accept proxies because we're out of money <laughs> um that's essentially it's like if you have five commander decks are you really buying five Teferi's protections or like five underground seas or whatever like you just yeah. like that's impractical so uh you proxy that and then or people will understand that hey this is a reserve list card i like yeah you don't want to spend like three thousand dollars for tabernacle or whatever like yeah we're gonna proxy one um so i i do think it's more accepted because people have multiple decks and cards are inaccessible um, I do think it's frowned upon when you push the power level of your group with proxies. Mm -hmm. um, like, for, ex for example, everyone's playing casual magic and you're like, oh, I just proxied up the cradle and killed you all in turn two, right? Like, I think people be like, what? Uh, but I think if people are like, yeah, I have a Teferi's Pro, it's in my other deck and here's the proxy for it. Um, people don't really care. So it's it's interesting and I think it's because magic is so expensive. Everyone's like, yeah, I, I get you, bro. I don't want to you know use a day's salary or whatever to to make this deck right i get it it's fine right so yeah i don't know it's a it's a weird dynamic that we're like yeah we're gonna play this card or play this card game but we can't buy all the pieces so we'll just use pieces of paper and make <laughs> up our own pieces uh so yeah i don't know oh yeah um, i think I think that's all the time we have for fish mail. So if you have future questions, send them to at mtgoldfish with the hashtag mtgfishmail. And we'll get to your questions on air. And I believe that brings us to the end of episode 432 of the MTG Goldfish podcast. So, Richard, thanks for hanging out. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks to Card Conduit for supporting the show. And we'll be back next week to talk about whatever goes on in the world of magic. So until then, have a lovely week, everyone. And this is a crew signing out. Bye.